Welcome to Active Discourse, the multi-platform technology podcast. I'm Brett, the god of justifying new technology purchases. And I'm Bo, waiting seven plus weeks for my new driver's license to come in the mail, like good teamwork DMV and USPS. <laughs> Fun. Margot has to renew her driver's license uh, immediately as well. And it looks like we're going to be waiting a while, huh? Good to know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's taken uh yeah seven seven weeks and counting so we'll see it should show up any day now they gave themselves six to eight so they're Yikes. still technically within that timeline that just seems like a really long time it does seem like a really long time yikes uh anywho moving on real quick since this tech this is a technology podcast about uh devices and whatnot there were some devices announced in the last few months and one thing that's just coming to mind that i kind of want to talk about today is the galaxy s22 um you know it's a nice device and i can't help but have forgotten about it already and it feels like we're just getting to that point with non-folding phones that smartphones are just mostly a utility the s22 is a nice phone just like the iphone 13 series is and it just clearly demonstrates that essentially it's a simple upgrade over the predecessors if you need a new device you should get it and if not there's really no reason uh similar to a dishwasher honestly what do you think about that yeah they i mean mean, myself having a folding phone with the fold z fold 3 uh i kind of agree with that um with the advent of folding phones that's definitely where we're gonna see the most excitement now i think uh, new form factors, improvements on the hinge and the glass design for durability, and then weirder things like foldable or rollables. Yeah, uh, just really new things that that aren't um, the the typical uh, slab. And and actually, Ars Technica had uh, an article when these uh, newest iterations were unveiled, and the the uh, the name of the article was. Uh, Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra Review, the slab phone retirement plan. Mm. And so I think they see it uh, in a similar way that since they've essentially now they've killed the Note and merged it with the S line, the because uh, let's face it, the S22 Ultra is just a Note. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's just a Note um, by a different name. Um, and that's fine. Um but that's that's they're they're merging that and bringing it under one umbrella, one release date per year, and I think that's going to make way for Samsung and and other manufacturers too uh, doing similar things to do more fun things with folding stuff and yeah. rollables and whatever else crazy stuff they can come up with. Yeah, I remember back the last two iterations of the note series that there was definitely confusion on the reviewers sides whenever the note got released because in the early half of the year samsung released their s series and then in the later half of the year samsung released their note series and i remember at the time uh at least with the most recent two generations of the the galaxy s or note series there was confusion like why it, this just makes things complicated because there's an s ultra line that directly competes against the note line there's a, there was a note ultra i think one year maybe multiple years and they all just competed against each other 
where uh, there was just ridiculous. There was a lot of overlap, honestly, um, that definitely was too much. And it, it's just nice to see that Samsung recognized that. And the, the, the S22 Ultra very much is the the note successor and it looks like one because it, it i what it has a, it has a very slightly different design it looks more rounded than the regular s22 series so um it you know it's kudos to them because that makes it easier to understand what in the world is going on and people in august who might have fear of missing out don't feel like they got tricked into buying you know, the early half of the year's best phone and instead should have waited longer to get the later half of the year's uh, best phone. So um, right choice there and 100% makes a lot of sense. That means that Samsung is most likely just going to be diving into alternative form factors uh, at the high end. So um, let's be, hope so. Yeah, it'll be Bring fun on to see. the weird. Yeah, the, I, I did see that rumor <laughs> the other day about the rollable phones and I'm glad that that didn't die with LG uh, last year, so that will be intriguing to see how they uh, how they sell it. So, not really going to talk much about Apple. Um, we talk a lot about Apple on this podcast, and we'll I think we'll talk. Long story short, yeah. they had an event, new devices, uh, new software. <laughs> I think all of it is pretty much iter- iterations, except um, on the high end, they actually did have some developments and moving more toward Apple Silicon and things like that. Yeah, the it basically it's products that I don't think either one of us are going to buy because I got the um twenty the fourteen inch MacBook Pro. It is absolutely fantastic, and it's the only well okay. I will say this now: I don't see any reason why I would need to upgrade to anything else really anywhere anytime in the near future. Um, and the 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 Mac Studio just isn't designed for me. I don't do video stuff. Um, I don't my Xcode builds would not be improved at all from the Mac studio. And, and I also like the concept of bringing the, one of the fastest computers ever made in my backpack with me. So, um, the display is kind of a different situation. Uh, I, I've kind of hemmed and hawed about that one, but, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I don't believe I'm interested in it because of the fact that, uh, it doesn't, it is expensive. It's an expensive boy. I don't, Mm-hmm. really mind 4k displays and what i want out of my next display is hdr because i want hdr everywhere and i want higher refresh rate everywhere as well so um that device does neither and it's dramatically more expensive than uh, a few other devices that could do that so um anywho that was a quick uh tangent on apple i guess so yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> we we got to touch on it a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. Um, Mac Studio is nice though. If you if you need video editing capabilities, it's that it, it is a great step in the in a good direction for professionals. So, yeah the 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 pro end was uh, lacking a little bit in terms of power versus price right. ratio. Yeah. Uh, so the Mac Studio brings the cost down, but also being based on Apple's M1. Um, and actually having an option where it basically puts two M1s together to make an Ultra. Um, yeah. As, uh, it really evens that out. I think uh, I think the price-power price, uh, price ratio is much, in a much better place now. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, and they're just, just cool-looking devices and yeah. nice and polished. So Yeah. 
yeah a, a lot more function over form these days so that's that's pretty cool so so let's move on into a main topic and um maybe just speaking a, of functions yeah um move on moving on to the main topic that i kind of wanted to dive into today and we've been hinting about this for a, a little while now um ultimately what i'm thinking about doing is moving just the general topics of this podcast further down into the direction of development uh so yeah i want to talk more about development topics and filter in periodic hardware topics under under that light um and really the big reason being is because ios app development is a huge passion of mine lately um somehow uh, honestly my brain gravitates towards working on ios app development than uh playing xbox somehow i i did end up getting an xbox series s x sorry and um for whatever reason uh my time with xbox competes with my time sitting in front of my computer working on app development and frequently app development wins so um you know that's that's just how my brain is working these days and so uh it's constantly on my mind and i'm uh there's a huge depth of topics to dive into and it's more than just buying infinite gadgets so you know we're very much a multi-tech multi-platform technology podcast uh bo develops more for the web and uh is generally more device agnostic more platform agnostic and so I develop pretty much exclusively for Apple products just because that's kind of where I started. Um, but, you know, as we go down the line, I'm very, I'm going to be very curious to hear more uh, about how you're developing for the web and um, possibly how I can get into developing for the web as well. But we're also both self-taught. Uh, we went to school to be printers uh, or print project managers. We do work at a print company, but over the early part of our careers, we each started moving, toward, moving towards technology and uh, outside of print product uh, project management so you know first up honestly we, we've talked ad nauseum about ios app development um but let's talk a little bit more about what uh pa- what topics bows are passionate about um and i think the first place to start here is how did you teach yourself so i i stumbled through a lot of this on my own I, it goes pretty much all the way back to the mid-aughts when i was messing around on myspace and GeoCities or some other thing that i would be extremely embarrassed about today <laughs> um if anyone knew about it <laughs> so uh, th- the best advice i can give anyone just based on that is to just build something mm-hmm. uh, think of a thing you want to build figure out the bare minimum you need in order to build that thing and don't worry about doing it the best way or making it the as fast as possible or any of that at first that can all come later i would say just figure out what you need to do to build it and do that. Um, and, and sort of at the, the minimum level too, you don't need to necessarily come out of the gate with the best language for that situation, the best programming language or the best tools or any of that. Just try to use things and get accustomed to them and, and build from there. Just kind of have yourself on a foundation and, and push yourself to, to learn something new and just dive into it because uh, I think that's a great way to learn anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously set yourself up for success and have resources and, and uh, maybe people that you can surround yourself with that can support you in that, but, but also putting yourself into it and immersing yourself into it and um, 
really just ch- trying to figure out things for yourself. Programming is uh, programming is is funny in that like the the more you program doesn't mean that you're not still going to be copy pasting from Google. Yeah. <laughs> like programming is so funny that way that, that you can be good at it. You can be great at it. You can be an expert programmer. You're still going to Google stuff. Yeah. You're still going to Google stuff years later. Um, and I think that's, that's even something that, that, uh, the, the pros that work in, uh, Silicon Valley, all of them, I've heard them say that in, in one way or another. Um, people who do this as their day jobs, people who've done this for 30 years. I mean, yeah. as much as you know, there's always more things you don't. And you're going to have to figure those things out. And so knowing how to do that, just being able to 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 look out there for yourself and find an answer is is going to be a hugely important skill when you're when you're trying to to develop anything. So, uh, that's really how I started out was just, uh, it, I mean, starting with just silly things that I wouldn't show anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then building from there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, honestly, I tried to get into app development, uh, about five years before I started app development, um, in 2019. And, uh, so in 2014 I tried and for whatever reason, um, you know, when I was when I was younger, um, I had this mentality in my head where if I couldn't do something absolutely perfect the first time, it might not have been worth doing it at all. And um, and so I was starting to follow tutorials back in 2014, and I would get discouraged because what I was doing was putting a button on a screen, and I was like, "That's not a lot of fun. Like, this is where is this going to go? How I I need to do way more. I need to make a." a design that looks dramatically better than just a button on the screen. Um, and I, I totally missed the concept that you have to learn how to walk before you can run. And, uh, for some reason that concept finally clicked in my head in 2019, because in 2019, what went through my head was I want to make a Pokedex app and I would probably be able to make a Pokedex app today. Had I continued uh, making an app from 2014 to 2019, because by that point I'd have five years. A po- Pokedex app shouldn't be nearly as hard. Uh, a five-year, a programmer who's been working for five years should easily be able to do that. But I didn't. I, I still didn't know how to walk. I still didn't know how to put a button on a screen. And so I was like, well, I got to learn how to put a button on a screen. And let's just get excited about that. And for whatever reason, I learned. I figured out how to get excited about doing really stupid small things. I, there's a ton of projects that I won't share because of the fact that I know that it's small, but at the same time, a lot of them I'm proud of it because of the fact that that's the first time I ever triggered a segue from one screen to another. And I was super proud that I was able to pass data from one view to the next and because that was the first time I ever did it. And... um it, that just keeps on building on top of it. So you do something, you finally get data to pass from one screen to the next. You do a Google search or follow a different tutorial that says, "All right, now that you know how to pass data from one view to another, how do you how do you interact with that? How do you do different things on top of that?" And it just keeps on building over years and years and years. And looking up these tutorials, looking up on Google how to do various different things, um, it just all adds up. And uh, the, you know, my biggest advice is. 
uh, don't be afraid of just putting a button on a screen or just putting an image on a screen. Um, that, that first hello world program is the first step. When you learn that first step, that's, you can, you just have to keep on going from there. Yeah. And it's the, that first, that first project or the first few is, is just really, it's whatever you want to work on. It's not, you know, nobody can really tell you like, here, build this. Yeah. You have to want to build it. It's got to be something that you're interested in because that's going to make you want to find the solutions and find the ways to build that app and make it something that you would want to use. Yeah. Uh, the, the first thing that really, when I started really getting into programming, the first thing that I was doing was building a Twitch bot because I was using Twitch a lot at the time. So I just... And there were Twitch bots everywhere. So I was like, hey, I, I could probably figure out how to do that. So I started uh, looking into other Twitch bots and and working with some of those and then kind of building my own and putting commands in there and learning how to how to do that, taking uh, chat messages and respond to them. And um, so it's, it's whatever you're you're interested in, just find something in that space and like, what's a, what's a thing that you could build that's in that space and just try to build it. See if you can. Yeah. What's too bad is that MySpace has gone these days because a lot of people of our age, um, got experience making crazy looking MySpace pages, <laughs> yeah. uh, back in the day. Like, I don't, I don't know when people figured out how to remove comments, but you know, people could figure out how to remove comments and, um, you know, put a crazy ass background or put a song that plays all of those are uh, was it html or was it um css well there was, it was mostly css and well html and css for sure yeah. i'm i don't actually remember if you could do a lot of javascript on myspace i think the music was, i'm sure you wasn't you it? could inject it yeah probably and i know later on there were uh, browser extensions once that became a thing that you could have browser extensions that would do some of that. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's, too, it, but, uh, it's too bad they're gone because obviously uh, you don't get to program much on Facebook, but that was probably a decent amount of people's yeah. introdu- introduction to programming, which was making your MySpace page look crazy. Yeah. Or just free hosting stuff like GeoCities. Yeah. Um, that was a big one back then. Uh, Cause you could, you could just put up any kind of website you wanted and you know like you'd get excited over putting like a a guest counter yeah or a guest book on the page or something like that and just the silly little things that were just starting points is is hilarious all right so what resources do did you use what resources do you think you should share with other people who want to do web development yeah so I've, i've got a couple of those uh so when i started obviously i was like teaching myself a lot of things so there's there's a and I came up pretty much from JavaScript primarily, uh, JavaScript and other web languages, and so JavaScript has a couple of resources. Um, Mozilla has one called Mozilla Developer Network or MDN. And that's that's a really good reference for like if you want to see uh, what a function, what a specific function does, or or all of the APIs that are available to you in JavaScript. That that one's probably the most comprehensive one out there. Um, but it, it's not like an interactive learning tool. It's, it's a reference. Um, so for something that's a little more interactive, uh, uh, in my early days, I used solo learn and, 
uh, at the time, I don't think they had an app, but they do now. Um, at the time, I used it uh, from their website, um, which is sololearn.com, I okay. think is just all it is. Um, and and that one's, it's more interactive, and it's got a lot of languages. It's got JavaScript, it's got, uh, I used it a little bit to get just acquainted with C. Um, I remember it being pretty decent, but it's it's been several years since I used it. Uh, these days, I would heavily recommend Exorcism. Uh, exorcism.org that is a uh, similar but uh it, it is itself an open source platform and it's also not for profit as an organization um i would likely be using it to pick up on any new concepts that i'm looking into because you can use it for a uh, new uh, language you want to learn or specific uh kind of concepts in a language uh, if you want to learn functional programming mm-hmm. Uh, or object-oriented, some sort of class thing. There's usually some little, uh, they call them tracks, um, so you can find kind of a specific thing that you're looking to learn. And it's it's sort of an interactive, uh, test-based um, programming learning platform. So you, you basically make the tests work, and it has some uh, instructions and some comments in there to help you along and guide you, but it's, it, it, kind of is along with our first thing about kind of building something to learn it is that's kind of what this platform helps you do. So uh, that one is, is one that I would recommend pretty heavily these days. It uh, it's one I'll be using myself. And uh, I think honestly, just as a, as an organization, their, uh, their uh, ideals are, are very good and it's set up for, uh, for a success, I think. Cool. Um, I have two recommendations. Uh, I, I've talked a lot about both of them, so I'll go quick. Um, first up is LinkedIn Learning. Um, previously, Lynda.com, in case other fo- if you've heard of that name either. Um, I quite like LinkedIn Learning because of the fact, because of a few reasons. Um, first is because they their website uh, focuses on giving you quick content, so all their videos are relatively short um, and they more or less just give you kind of the, the high overview concept so you can quickly understand whether or not you want to dig into JavaScript or if you want to dig into Swift or C programming or Ruby or um, maybe maybe project management or anything like they you you pay access to the catalog and then you have access to absolutely everything you don't just have to pay access to get access to programming you can get access to every single topic you could possibly imagine so um go in for photoshop and then learn swift and whatever so um, a lot of different content on linkedin learning um subscribe anytime and uh unsubscribe anytime it's very similar to netflix where you just pay monthly and then it goes away whenever you're done um second one that i would highly recommend is for folks who are interested in ios app development there is a creator that honestly changed my life um because of the fact that his free resources are absolutely top-notch um i wouldn't be surprised if he loses out on a ton of sales because of the simple fact that he offers so much for free um it's paul hudson he hosts hacking with swift um he has a hundred day course where you can get every uh, content every single day for a hundred days. So that's more than a quarter of a year 
and a lot of people on the Swift Reddit, um, myself included, have followed this 100-day course, and they're like, people have launched apps just after going through that free course, honestly. Um, he also happens to have a actually similar price to LinkedIn Learning, uh, about $20 a month, and you get access to all of his paid content, and his paid content is even more in-depth. And he has just a ton of different resources about all the different topics you could possibly imagine. Um, it gives you access to a, a exclusive uh, subscribers form. Um, there's all sorts of great stuff that you get access to. Um, I've I didn't build Sneaker Tracker with uh, his premium content, but I subscribed to his premium content after launching Sneaker Tracker, and. All the apps that I'm currently working on now have all fundamentally been built uh, with his premium content, and I, I'm i getting a little nervous about Sneaker Tracker just because of the fact that I've learned so freaking much from Paul Hudson since diving into his premium content that I I, <laughs> I don't have time to tear, tear out Sneaker Tracker, but um, I also don't, I, I don't have... Uh, uh, in-app subscriptions with sneaker tracker so it doesn't make me money so it doesn't really make a ton of sense for me to do that anyway but like holy buckets his his course his courses that he has um for his premium content is absolutely crazy it is so good he's such a good guy he's, he does all sorts of donations all over the place he hosts like conferences he's i don't know how he has so much time in the world but he does so i can't recommend him enough I- that's the thing that that gets me is is uh it, man there's just not enough hours in the day yeah <laughs> like yeah. like you said you know you've got sneaker tracker and like you could knowing what you know now versus what you knew when you were building it originally like you could basically re-architect the thing yeah and and make it probably five times as good mm-hmm. and uh I've got similar things where I've got things that sat around for a while and, and I've learned so much since I made them originally that, that I could knock it out of the park and and really just make something so much better. Mm -hmm. But the time investment there, you know, going into those things versus maybe new things or, or (laughs) playing PlayStation or Mm -hmm. (laughs) Xbox Mm -hmm. or what, or whatever, you know, the, there's just so much, um, that you can do right now yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, it's that's my biggest challenge is like if i didn't have to sleep i wouldn't cool okay so um directly related to that is um i want to briefly talk about the next apps that i'm working on i'm kind of taking a different approach than i did with sneaker tracker um so just for back end with sneaker tracker um lately i've been digging into core data this technology is what a lot of iOS app developers use to store data for between load one session and another. So you close out your app, you open it back up. Core data is most likely the system where it's storing your information from one session to another. So um, I knew about core data at the time of making Sneaker Tracker, and I knew that core data was the right system to use but Sneaker Tracker does not use core data. Um, all of the data that is stored in Sneaker Tracker is stored in a JSON file. At launch, it's parsed 
in, into a usable into usable data that the app can use. And then whenever the user makes a change, it then saves that it rewrites the JSON file, sends it back out. Um, so JSON parsing is a hell of a lot easier to do than core data. Um, and I knew at the time that I should learn core data, but at the same time, uh, there's a fallacy of if I only knew how to do something to do X, then I would just do that from the beginning. But then in which case you'd never, you'd keep on finding different X's and Y's and Z's of things to do. And then you never actually do anything. So, um, I knew I needed to learn JSON parsing because that's how the world works. And so I focused on JSON parsing, like, all right, I know JSON parsing. I got that on lock. So I'm just going to build a data layer with JSON instead. And I'm going to make that with Sneaker Tracker and I will learn core data. And now that I'm done with Sneaker Tracker, um, my first task was to learn core data. And it's it's messy. It is ridiculously messy. And it makes me hope that Apple has some solution in the future so that um, maybe they have more like a SwiftUI-like data layer where it's designed for the Swift language instead of for Objective-C. Um, so core data was first announced in 2005. And in programming, in the programming world, that's pretty old. Uh, it's not ancient, but it's old. Um, for reference, it was first launched with Mac OS 10.4 Tiger. Yeah, that's back there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little ways back. Um, 2005, what, it was like four years after 9-11. Um, the Swift programming language... Uh, wouldn't even launch until nine years later. So a lot of core data is built with Objective-C. Core data, like a ton of other Apple technology, also has its roots in Next, which means that it goes back to the 90s. So yuck. Um, But, you know, core data is is what it is. It it works. Um, It's the first-party solution to storing data. And... um, with a little bit of help, specifically what I'm doing is setting up computed properties so that I can remove optional value, values, uh, setting up different save, update, and delete uh, methods, and then also telling the program when those can and cannot be used, uh, setting up tests to make sure that duplicate data or uh, race conditions aren't being created. Um, there's there's just a lot of like kind of busy work to do when setting up a program or uh, an app for the first time. But after you've done that, uh, theoretically, you shouldn't really have to touch it much ever again. The whole concept of setting up data first is so that you can just start focusing on UI after that. Um, And so all of this is to say, instead of focusing on a single project like I did last year, this year, I'm instead setting up the bones for a lot of different projects. Um, essentially, I'm getting the core data part out of the way for a lot of different projects so that whenever motivation strikes, I I don't need to deal with kind of the messy core data layer and just start working on some interesting ideas and move quicker with it. Um, but I can also see how this might be setting up like a graveyard of projects because, um, you know, if I abandon a project, I spend a lot of time setting up the core data layer for it. And well, I just didn't do anything with it. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to know what your thought is on, uh, setting up like boilerplate, boilerplate stuff, uh, maybe what projects you have going on and how you kind of approach those. What do you, what do you think about the whole concept there? There's definitely a lot of boilerplate 
um, projects out there. Like there's on GitHub, there's specifically a function for making repositories for that purpose only. Um, I think GitHub calls them template repositories and because you can, you can um, make a repository that someone can um, kind of kickstart their own project from um, that, that takes care of a lot of the boilerplate and in, in certain in pretty much every uh, uh, programming uh, environment for whatever language or for whatever tool, there's pretty much always going to be a boilerplate or, or some way to create a new project that kickstarts all the different pieces you need. Like in uh, in .NET, the, the command line .NET uh has a, a a command specifically for that .NET new and it's got a bunch of templates and um, it's for different you know you want to do a web project or a a command line project or a UI and it's got templates to kickstart each of those so the it's it's such a common thing that like everything has it so for my own stuff I I I think I have had kind of my own little boilerplates here and there that I will reuse. And, and some of those I've got as so, well, some of them I, I've started to use more uh, official ones like the .NET uh, templates or, or I've got uh, some repository. Um, I think I might have like a private GitHub repository for some, some things. Um, so uh, there's there's a bunch of ways you can do it, and in terms of uh, in terms of a graveyard, I've definitely got stuff that I killed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not reaching Google levels, but I've got stuff that I've gotten rid of. Um, and and some of those, like it's it's because maybe it's a project that at the time was useful, uh, say like in JavaScript. Java, the JavaScript language has changed a lot in the past few years. Uh, it stagnated for a long time. And then uh, the group that oversees uh, support and, and, and uh, development of JavaScript is called TC39. And uh, they really started formally, formally kicking it into gear in like uh, trying to go back because it, they released a new version in 2015 that had a whole bunch of great features and, and usability improvements. So it was probably like 2010, 2012 when they really started kicking in a high gear. If like we got to figure this out type of situation. Yeah. Um, and so there were a lot of things starting around then that I was using that were useful then, but because of new features and language things that they built and added, I didn't need them anymore. Hmm. So, you know, there's, uh, you're you're gonna be getting rid of things. Things are changing all the time. So if it's a, a tool or a library, you you might deprecate it. You might just say, "Hey, don't use this anymore. Use <laughs> this instead." Yeah, and that's fine. Um, if it's an app, and and uh, I, I'm I'm thinking you're you're kind of wondering about uh, um, stuff that you've built that maybe just isn't gonna go anywhere, and that's that's totally fine too. Yeah. Um, I, I've built plenty of things that just didn't need to get off the ground. I really just built them to figure out one specific thing and then took what I learned there and moved it somewhere else. I, I think the graveyard fills up pretty fast, but <laughs> they're, uh, the graves are of varied sizes. <laughs> 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 Nothing that lives lives forever. 
morbid, but great point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird thinking about the f- the future for sneaker tracker, honestly. Because um, I love the app; it's it's gonna always hold a special part of my heart. But at the same time, I I don't think I'm ever gonna put an ad in any advertisements or any in app purchases into it. Um, mostly just because it's the I I feel like there's a lot of noviceness built into it and i don't want to have a lot of pressure in it it feels weird to say that but at the same time like i don't know i designed it to for me i designed it for learning capability and then i'm going to keep on making it better just because it's how i track the mileage on my shoes um i'm never going to beat i'm never going to make a ton of money off of it even if like i did put in-app purchases in it or advertisements even though i feel strong i don't think i should put advertisements in this one and so in which case i might as well just move on to another project that i will have some form of monetization incentive for it or uh, like monetization from the very very get-go instead of adding it on after the fact so yeah because of that simple fact like if i start making money from other applications whether through advertisements or through in-app purchases um, that's going to make sneaker tracker even less important other than the fact that it has a lot of sentimental value, um, because of the fact that it's the first app I published. So, um, it's, it's odd it's odd to think it, I don't think sneaker tracker is anywhere close to the grave probably as, I don't know. I'd probably go through a whole revamp of it before that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just weird to think about that concept since I spent a ton of, uh, 2021 on it. Like it was the focus of the year. So anyway, um, yeah. And, and those things definitely, they like, they'll stick around for you. Yeah. Um, like there's still, I still go back to some of my code from, from that Twitch bot, for example, that thing that I mm-hmm. really was building seven years ago. Um, I still go back to that and, and, um, not necessarily, punch too much code into it but kind of look at it and just think of like man what could i do with this now sort of thing yeah um so i've, I've still got all of that and still pretty much have a lot of the things that i've worked on and and so they even if it was something that that wasn't going to uh go out into the world so to speak mm-hmm. it's it's still something you built right. and something you worked on and all that stuff is useful. Like it's it's all a rung on the ladder. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's really a it's a it's a journey. It's an adventure, and there's going to be a lot of uh, banging your head on the wall along the way. But that second you get that button on the page, or you get the data to persist from one view to the other. Yep. That's when it all is worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> made the monkey dance. Right, exactly. Yeah, like I, I've experienced maintaining an app. I've experienced publishing it. If you're seeing what uh, Apple says about what I need to change in order to publish it, and historically they've said basically nothing. But um, yeah, it's 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 an intriguing step all the way around. So um, what kind of projects are mm-hmm. you thinking about for your personal world? What do you, what do you want to work on? Oh, so, okay. So personally... There's a few things right now. I'm I'm really finding myself interested in automation, mm-hmm. um, which is great for work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Personally, I don't know if I have a lot of need to automate things in terms of 
files on my <laughs> on my computer. People aren't sending us files um, very often in our personal world. You mean <laughs> weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I I, I uh, I'm interested in it, but I'm applying that mostly at work. Yeah. Um. So then personally, I'm I'm kind of thinking about what what would benefit me the most right now. Like what what am I kind of missing as as a, a developer or a uh, or just the things that uh i'm i'm interested in and uh that really is has come down to uh a, an app or a service that has a back end along with the front end uh because i i haven't really i haven't done that i've either done front end or i've done things that are on the server side mm-hmm. and i haven't really connected the two okay. <laughs> so i i know how to use apis obviously but like haven't really done that sort of integration. So having a database, for example, uh, or a multi-platform sync functionality, uh, that that's sort of the, maybe the next frontier for me. Um, and I, I really have, I've only just kind of thought about a couple things I could do with that. One of them is, uh, like a personal relationship management app Mm -hmm. since I'm pretty bad at keeping up with people. (laughs) I feel you. I am too. So, I know there's apps and services that do that already. Uh, and, and that's going to be a trend, by the way. Like, you're going to think of something, something's already going to do it. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much just the way the world Definitely. is. There's there's so many people in the world, and um, so many of these things will have already been done. That's fine. Um, you can still build it. Um, you might find even, even a better way to build it. Right. Uh, so that you're going to notice that's a trend. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's apps that do it. I just haven't really justified the cost of any of them. Mm-hmm. And there's also self-hosted options where you can host them yourself for free. I mean, you have to pay for uh, the the hosting, but the service itself is free. Yeah. Um, and the, but the primary one is written in PHP, and I just won't do that to myself. There's no <laughs> way. <laughs> don't like PHP. Huh? That's too bad. I'm not going to name it because I I don't want to disparage the project because it's great. Okay. I just I don't want to use anything that's written in PHP. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh and then and then a kind of a secondary one is um and this goes along with the time uh topic, right? I've been playing a lot of Divinity Original Sin mm-hmm. 2 lately. Uh, it's a turn-based RPG, kind of the classic uh, RPG Baldur's Gate sort of thing. Yeah. And it has a pretty deep and flexible leveling system. And so I thought uh, this exists already too, a trend. Mm-hmm. But I I just was kind of thinking about it rolling it around in my head. And I thought it'd be a cool project to make a, a character builder that incorporates all the rules of the game. Because... The way the game works, you can level up in so many different ways and put points into so many different areas to to build your character that um, you almost want to play around with that more than like playing the actual game. It just would be kind of neat to have a tool, and and it does exist, but it would be cool to to build the thing. And and I was thinking about like how would I build it? How would I yeah. um, incorporate all those rules that say? you need to be at this level for this before you have access to this and all of that sort of intertwining web of, of uh, requirements and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. um, that was, that was something I thought would be kind of cool to build. 
and again, back going back to the original topic for advice for folks who are interested in getting into development, there's a lot of riffing on ideas in the app store, in the iOS app store, at least. There's a ton of different Reddit apps, for example. You know, there was one that was extremely popular, Alien Blue, a couple years back, that uh, a lot of other apps said, I like Alien Blue, but I'm going to kind of come up with my own spin on that. Like, Reddit is the service, but how you interact with the service is up to the developer and there's a there was a couple a couple spin-offs that came off and narwhal was the one that i ended up sticking with that um was similar enough to alien blue to feel familiar but at the same time was different enough and i've used it ever since um because it felt so much more natural to me even though it looked and interacted in a similar way and in general as long as you're not like directly copying absolutely everything about the app um, in general, you know, no, that's just considered competition. Having something that's relatively similar um, but has its own take on the idea is generally accepted. And you know, trying to spin your own path in there is is the way to go. Um, when I built Sneaker Tracker, I built it in my own way to be super fast to see at a glance what's the most recent workout that you did, what is the most recent, where are the shoes that you have. And other apps are, you know, they, they take a different approach to it. And that's fine. I have my approach to it. They have their approach to it. So, um, you know, it's, it's generally considered acceptable to have your own riff on things. So I encourage you to yeah, explore. I, I would say, I would say even, even when you're like just straight up copying the way another app works, mm-hmm. that's sometimes fine too, as long as it's not like patented and trademarked and the the function of that um but you it's definitely fine especially if it's for personal learning and and you're not like using this as a commercial thing you can just straight up clone some existing app like mm-hmm. netflix if you wanted to um just so you could learn how to do it right? if it is for something that you're putting out there you can even copy the way something works as long as you're not using the the actual code yeah. Um, cause there's licensing things there, but if you're recoding it yourself, that's really what it comes down to. You've built that yourself. Yeah. That's, it's really, it's called clean room engineering. You're not, you're not just taking that code and calling it your own. You, you are writing the code. So as long as you're not just copy pasting someone else's code base, you're probably fine too. I, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but <laughs> and, and also as you as you build something to clone it, it would also be in your best interest to naturally think of better ways to do certain things. So clone it so that you get the general gist of how how it works and whatnot. But you know, at, any anyone who's doing this type of thing would clearly have the mental capability and the um, knowledge to say, well. I don't really like how this works. And so I'm going to make my own changes and just keep on following that. Keep on following uh, these these ideas of, I really don't like the way this is done normally and I'm just going to do it a different way. <laughs> and you follow that yeah. and you're, you're in the clear. And then break it and then figure out how to unbreak it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to continuing to talk more about uh, development with you. So, but for now, let's, uh, let's leave some stuff for next month and uh, chat next month. So um, closing out, uh, we got some picks. What is your pick for this month? Picks time. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got, um, 
so a few months ago, and uh, I think a couple of times we've talked about Apple TV, mm-hmm. Apple TV Plus rather. And uh, when it first was kind of revealed, we were like, ah, it's, I mean, yeah, the price is great, but like the content's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have to see. And then more recently, uh, I had kind of said, yeah, there's a couple shows on there that I really like. And now it's gotten to the point where, oh man, they're really ramping up on content. Mm-hmm. This is great. <laughs> so recently I just finished uh, season one of Foundation, which is a an Apple TV Plus series uh, based on uh, Isaac Asimov's books. I say that uh, kind of in air quotes, based on. Um, and by the way, those books are from the 1940s. Okay. So this is a sci-fi series um, based in like far future where the human race is uh, like galactic. They live all across the galaxy. Um, And there were a lot of changes in this series from the books, but given that those books were written before pretty much every single piece of modern technology we are used to today, I think most of those were for the best. It's not a perfect show by any means, but I still really enjoyed it. Even having read the books uh, as an example, I, I think The Expanse, which is, uh, which was really a great show and just concluded recently on Amazon, um, they handled in-space scenes pretty damn well. Uh, Foundation was a little loose with it. The space scenes just didn't really feel right, mm-hmm. and they had some kind of writing uh, issues, I thought. Um, but overall, the, the story was interesting. Um, the some of the characters like there were there were a couple storylines kind of going uh plot threads throughout the the show and there was one that was definitely the most captivating and others were just kind of there i know they're building toward future seasons but really in the first one there's definitely one standout plot thread mm-hmm. um and and a couple standout characters too um so really just a if you're a fan of science fiction, uh, space, like this is, this should be on your list. I, I was really entertained by it and uh, thought it was a really well done adaptation considering how old these books yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, this, these books were written literally the 1940s, 1950s. So it's crazy how much has changed since then yeah. and how much Isaac Asimov kind of foresaw even then as an author and, and as a, a guy interested in technology and science fiction. So cool. yeah, really, really fun series and adaptation. Cool. I'll check it out. Okay. My pick is very strange. Um, technology connections, the dishwasher collection. And I specify the dishwasher collection because of the fact that I will probably share other collections from this YouTuber in the future. So this may be the weirdest recommendation on this podcast to date. Um, But here's the gist. You're using your dishwasher wrong and you're spending too much money on soap. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. If you want to know why and how to use your dishwasher properly, our boy at Technology Connections on YouTube did extremely thorough research on why powder detergent is all you need and the pods you pop into the dishwasher are a scam. This dude is awesome. He is extremely informative uh, and has 
thoroughly considered the entire subject matter here. So, uh, he has extreme an extremely dry sense of humor. And let's be real here. He's talking about a dishwasher and how to use a dishwasher. So it's an extremely dry topic as well. I found him on Reddit. Uh, someone just recommended like, I didn't expect to watch an hour, almost an hour and a half of this dude explaining the concept of a dishwasher to me, but he did. And he was like, yeah, it was extremely entertaining. And I feel... I don't know. The, the dude on Reddit said that uh, he learned a lot from it. And I agree. I learned a lot from it as well. His way of presenting information leads to retaining knowledge extremely easily. Uh, again, it's super dry. Uh, it's super dry humor, super dry topic. Um, the first video is about 30 minutes. The second video is about 50 minutes. Follow me on this journey and learn how to use your dishwasher properly. You know, there's Adam Sandler's movies that you've watched that gotten less out of than <laughs> than this. <laughs> no offense to Adam Sandler. All offense to Adam Sandler. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> I wonder if we ended up on uh, Technology Connections through the same thread on Reddit. Because I ended up on, on uh, a different video of his... Um, but I know this one was referenced in that same thread mm, mm-hmm. and I just happened to pick a different one for whatever reason. And I, I'm just curious, just cosmically, if it was the same thread that you and I were in. Yeah. It's, it's gone from my mind now. It was around October that I yeah. found him. Oh yeah. This would have been, it was more recent for me. This dude is the best. He's absolutely the best. <laughs> it, he has, he, I, I think this Worth is mentioning. He does have some shorter videos as well. That many. They vary. <laughs> His well. shortest videos, like yeah, probably. They're 10 all minutes. at least like 20 minutes. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's fantastic. Check him out. Awesome. Uh, links in the show notes. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to share any feedback, questions, or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. We are on Twitter at Active Discourse, and we'll be back probably towards the end of April. Uh, you know, and we will figure out what topic we talk about then. Um, I do have a couple projects that i'm currently working on so you know we could dive into that otherwise um maybe if i ever convince Bo to work with me on a certain project in our spare time outside of work um maybe we will start (laughs) talking about those projects but um until then um happy april we'll see what we learn yeah yeah so thanks for listening and talk to you next time bye see you in the next one